I Am The Law is brought to you by Blueprint LSAT Test Prep, which reports an average score increase of 15 points. With the first AI-powered QBank, fun videos, personalized study plans, and engaging 98th percentile instructors, Blueprint has helped thousands of students crush their LSAT goals. Learn more at BlueprintLSAT.com. From Law Hub, this is I Am The Law, a podcast where we talk with lawyers about their jobs to shed light on how they fit into the larger legal ecosystem. In this episode, Kimber Russell interviews a litigator in transition. She's turning her attention to alternative dispute resolution, including mediation and arbitration. Support comes from Seton Hall University School of Law in Newark, New Jersey, where you can enroll full-time or in the weekend JD program. In the heart of New Jersey, with proximity to New York City, Seton Hall is dedicated to your outcomes evidenced by high employment and bar passage rates. It's one student at a time approach supports you throughout your time in law school. Their flexible hybrid weekend JD program allows working professionals to balance work, family, and law school. Learn more at law.shu.edu. Support also comes from the University of Idaho College of Law and its two locations. The Moscow location has all the resources of the university's main campus, neighboring a picturesque, charming college town. The Boise location is in the heart of downtown, just blocks from the seat of government. Either Idaho Law location provides an abundance of outdoor opportunities. As the only law school in the state, Idaho Law provides near-exclusive access to the courts, the legislature, and the rapidly developing business and nonprofit community. We're joined today by Diane Sorensen, a 1984 graduate of the University of Kansas School of Law and an employment litigator turning alternative dispute resolution specialist. Diane is a shareholder at Morris Lang in Wichita, Kansas, a small regional firm with lawyers who cover pretty much the whole spectrum of practice areas for their clients. For many of our listeners, the term alternative dispute resolution or ADR for short may be a bit new although many are likely familiar with either mediation or arbitration. Diane, can you talk about these two areas of ADR and how they're different or similar? ADR, alternative dispute resolution, is an umbrella term, which is just any alternative to resolving a case that's not the traditional filing a lawsuit and going through a courtroom proceeding with the judge. Mediation is a process where the parties come together once there is litigation and they use the help of a neutral mediator, attorney mediator, to help them reach a resolution of their own accord. And what is the difference specifically between litigation and arbitration? Arbitration is a shortened variety of litigation. Instead of a judge, you have an attorney arbitrator who acts as a judge in your case. It's a little mini trial. The case is presented just like if it was a trial, but the arbitrator makes the decision rather than the judge or a jury. With respect to arbitration, is there force of law behind it? So to what extent is arbitration versus mediation binding? There are different companies that you can arbitrate through. I am an arbitrator for the American Arbitration Association, the AAA, and parties 
by contract agree to arbitration before there is any dispute. So in the employment context, it comes up because you get hired by an employer who has a mandatory arbitration agreement. You sign that when you're initially hired. And then if you have a dispute with your employer later, maybe claiming wrongful discharge, you are bound to go through arbitration rather than to file a lawsuit. It is binding. Courts can review arbitration decisions, but very, very limited whether they will overturn that decision. There's no appeal process, and courts rarely overturn arbitration decisions. So with respect to mediation, how does that differ? So the mediation, if a settlement is reached between the parties, it's contractual. And so typically, at least what I do as a mediator, is I write down the main terms of the agreement and everybody signs that, agrees to it, reviews it before they leave for the day. And then they turn that into a more formal settlement agreement. If somebody doesn't abide by the terms, then that is a separate lawsuit. They can be sued for breach of the settlement agreement, but the original case is dismissed after a settlement agreement is reached. What specifically are you doing to help get these parties to come to an agreement without impinging on your status as a neutral third party? Just so your listeners understand, the typical litigation mediation is not everybody in one room together. It's the parties split into separate rooms. So the the defense and their attorney is in one room by themselves, and the plaintiff and their attorney is in another room. And the mediator goes back and forth, listening and talking to the parties and try to find common ground somewhere between the two very, usually very obstinate positions where a resolution can be reached. There are times in any mediation where the party that I'm with, say I'm on the defense side, where I'm playing devil's advocate, pushing back on arguments that they're making to me. And they may think that I'm wearing more of a plaintiff's hat. And I I always warn the parties before the mediation starts that there will be times they may think that, and that's just me doing my job to try to bring the parties together. Because whichever side of a case you're on when there's litigation, you don't have a perfect case. No one does. There are problems always with either side. The mediator is not making any decisions regarding the case. In mediation, any settlement is voluntary by the parties. They have to decide that's what they want to do. They have to decide that they're okay with the terms of of a settlement that can be reached and that they're ready to dismiss their case. Because arbitration and and mediation are different, can you tell us what are the different skill sets that you've cultivated between these two areas? They are very different from each other. When I serve as an arbitrator, I am, like I said, acting in the role of a judge. I make decisions about what evidence I will allow in. I make decisions about on objections during testimony and ultimately make the decision of the case based on the law, based on the presentations made by the attorneys to me. 
you have to be very decisive about that. You're looking at the law, looking at the facts of the particular case and making a decision. That is 180 degrees from what, what you do as a mediator. As a mediator, the main skill is probably listening to both sides in the lawsuit. As a mediator, I will offer my opinion I have spent my career as an employment attorney. I've litigated employment cases, advised employers, everything within employment law. And so I'm very familiar with employment law. And when I mediate an employment case, if I think it's going to help the settlement process to convey an opinion, such as I think you're really weak on this particular claim. I do not think you're going to make it past summary judgment if the case gets that far. So I would not bank on getting any money for this particular claim. And so if I think that is going to help bring the parties closer together, I will convey an opinion. But it's very, very different from making a decision about the case as I do as an arbitrator. A lot of times having an objective person, the mediator, who I'm getting enough years of experience, they can tell I'm an experienced lawyer, listening to the plaintiff, really hearing their story, it goes a long way to helping that person be in a frame of mind where they may be able to give up their case and resolve it. People, every person from big company presidents to a worker who believes they were wrongfully discharged. Everybody wants to be listened to. That's a big role a mediator plays is really listening, asking good questions, helping the person understand that you at least empathize and hear what they're saying, even if you don't agree with every legal position they're taking. And I think that another role as a mediator is to ask the right questions, point out the flaws in the legal thinking. Those are more of a discussion with the attorneys. Have you thought of this? Why didn't you file this claim? Did you realize there was this case law out there that might be detrimental to you? Those kind of things to help the attorney understand that their case isn't perfect. I remember one time as a younger lawyer, I was representing a, a small company in the defense of a sexual harassment lawsuit. It wasn't a very good plaintiff's case. It really wasn't. But I told a mediator in that case that I was 100% certain I would get summary judgment in the case. Well, guess what? I didn't. <laughs> One of the claims in the case survived summary judgment. And I use that as an example all the time of there's no 100% when it comes to litigation. Judges are moving parts. Absolutely, juries are moving parts. You just don't know, you know, how it will be resolved in the end. Mediation is a time where the parties can actually make their own decisions, have control of their case. It's really the only time in litigation you can do that. Support comes from Vermont Law and Graduate School. Vermont Law and Graduate School empowers students to dream big. It welcomes and shares passions for social justice, the environment, criminal justice reform, and so much more. At BLGS, realism and idealism collide. Together, students and faculty positively transform the world around them. From an accelerated two-year JD to an online hybrid JD, 
VLGS offers innovative programs where you can learn at your own pace. To learn more, please visit vermontlaw.edu. Support also comes from Albany Law School. Albany Law School is committed to increasing access to the legal profession. Albany Law's online FlexJD delivers all the benefits you'd expect from an institution that's been educating future lawyers and leaders since 1851. With one in-person session per year, you'll complete most of your work online, giving you the flexibility you need to earn your law degree when and where it works for you. To find out how you can begin your journey to earning a JD, visit albanylaw.edu today. Support also comes from Baylor Law School, the smallest and oldest law school in Texas. Baylor Law has three entering classes, 15 tracks of study, strong bar passage and employment rates, robust scholarship offerings, numerous clinics and joint degree programs, and a focus on preparing excellent and ethical lawyers. Visit the Baylor Law website to learn more and to apply for free to the spring, summer, and or fall entering classes. So I think our listeners are somewhat familiar with the concept of the mandatory arbitration clause, specifically with an employment contract. So can you tell us what the advantages are from the employers and the employees' perspectives? Typically, if there is a mandatory arbitration agreement that has to be signed, you can assume the employer feels it is to their advantage to have that agreement. I think there is a perception that arbitrators tend to be employer-favorable I do not know if that is a valid perception or not. It may not be. I think employment cases, it's difficult to have a good one despite what people read in the news about big verdicts. And a good case is few and far between on the employee side. So probably most arbitrations do end in an employer victory. That would just be the way it is in lawsuits as well. But for the employee, there is the disadvantage of never having the appeal process. They think it didn't come out the way they want. And that's a disadvantage for both sides. They're stuck with it. But there is the advantage of typically it's faster than going through traditional litigation. If you file a federal court lawsuit, it's probably about two years from when you file the suit until you finally get to a trial. People ask for continuances on different parts of the discovery. This and that happens, getting a trial setting. But with arbitration, we were trained that the goal is always to keep it from filing to resolution in under a year. It's faster, and then you're final. That's the decision. It's over. So in the intro, I said that you are turning into an alternative dispute resolution specialist. Can you talk to us about how your time day-to-day actually breaks down between ADR and litigation and why that distinction is? In my opinion, and probably it's shared by most attorneys, before one can be a legitimately qualified arbitrator or mediator that lawyers, parties will really listen to, You need many years of experience, and so you will tend to find people who are more experienced, older, have been practicing for longer, who turn in their career to start doing those alternative dispute resolution 
either arbitration or mediation or both. It's very common to do both. And I think it's just the the years of experience, more confidence in what you know, how cases play out. You can't just one day say, well, I'm not going to practice traditional law anymore. And instead, I'm going to start mediating. Well, that would be insane because it takes a long time to build up a mediation practice. Can you say a little more? The best way to build a mediation practice is by word of mouth, by getting going, getting a good reputation, settling cases, working well with the parties, all of that. And so that just takes time to start to build that kind of practice. And it's the same is true in arbitration. I went to training with the AAA in Miami, Florida. And, you know, it was probably nine months after that training was completed before I was selected as someone's arbitrator in a case. So you have to be patient and you can't, to your partners in your law firm, you can't just turn off the billable hour practice. And so I'm in that, I am still in that in-between stage where I am still practicing law. You explained to us how much training goes into becoming both a mediator and an arbitrator. So I assume that you must be a licensed attorney in order to do either one of these roles? There are mediators who are not attorneys. Family law mediators may not be attorneys where there are issues with custody and they may be coming more from a social work standpoint, things like that. In criminal things, there are sometimes mediators who could not be attorneys more you know, that kind of neighborhood mediation kind of thing can happen. But typically with litigation, with the privately hired mediators, those will be attorney mediators. To be an attorney mediator, of course, you need to have been a licensed attorney. You wouldn't have to keep up your license. There are people, say a retired judge, who will mediate cases and is inactive in terms of keeping up their license. It would be difficult, I think, to be an arbitrator and apply the law without being an attorney. I would not want to not be an attorney to do any of these things. Before you sit down between the parties, even if only metaphorically, what are you doing to prepare? Arbitrations are interesting because they don't take much of my time until the the case is ready for a hearing. And then then it's intense time because you, you hear the evidence, hear the testimony, and make it, you know, go back to your office and do your legal research and make a decision. So that takes a chunk of time. But before that, they may have discovery disputes. They may have a motion to get certain claims kicked out before the hearing. And so there's a little time, but typically they just go off and they do their own thing. And then when it's time for the hearing, we have that. That's where I get involved. So for the mediation, The before is I ask the parties, as most mediators do, to provide me their submissions, and I ask for certain things. I ask for them to tell me about the case, to assess their best parts of their case, their worst parts of their case. I ask them to tell me what prior settlement discussions there have been, to explain if they're on the plaintiff's side, what damages they're claiming, and to give me any valuable demonstrative exhibits, anything like that. I don't want to look at the whole case file. 
but I want to really be conversant in the case. I can call up one of the attorneys and say, hey, can you explain more to me about X? And I want to know that in advance of the mediation. Let's talk about what happens after that. What role, if any, do you play following either a mediation or an arbitration? So following the mediation, there should be nothing for me to do. That's, it's over. You do your intense prep work. You have the intense day. I typically never take a break during a day of mediation. Don't eat lunch. Just keep going. And it's exhausting. But you're done at the end of it. Unless something falls apart in the settlement, you would have to appear as a witness to talk about the settlement agreement, which I have never had that happen. With arbitration, my job after it's over is to make a decision, a written decision that would be a lot like a judge's opinion, where I summarize the facts and say what the law is that applies to these facts and make a decision. And so the work, the real work is after the hearing in an arbitration. Now, after you have done an arbitration or a mediation, how do you determine how you did? How do you know if you did a good job? Yeah, we all want to know that, don't we? <laughs> Anything we do, I think that's very, very human. Um, a lot of times I have found with mediations, there is a lot of relief if the case has resolved by the end of the day. And I've gotten many, many hugs, not during COVID times, of course, but pre-COVID, <laughs> you know, lawyers will tell you that they liked how you mediated or they will hire you for another mediation, which is, I guess, the biggest compliment. Arbitration, you know, it's interesting. You don't ever hear anything. You issue your decision and a lot of the arbitrations that, that I have been assigned to aren't local Wichita attorneys. They're attorneys from Kansas City, or I have one now. The attorneys are in Denver. You never hear anything. You don't know. But <laughs> you have to just assume you did the best you can and make sure you're proud of your own decision before you issue it. Well, the one question I'm sure some of my listeners are very interested to know about is, what's the money like? Mediators can handle that differently. Some do a set fee for the entire mediation. I do it by the hour, and then the bill is typically split between the two sides, and so we send out a bill. Arbitration, it's also hourly. At the beginning of the case, I have to give the American Arbitration Association an estimate of what I believe the case is going to cost altogether in terms of my time. And then they bill that out to the, I send my bills to the American Arbitration Association. They send that out to the parties, whichever one is paying, usually the defense side. So I kind of want to look back on the ways that you have actually seen the practice of law change. What have you seen change over the time that you've been practicing? Wow, that is a big question. I graduated in 1984 from University of Kansas Law School, and I did four years of clerking for judges. I, I clerked for a year and a half for the Chief Justice of the Kansas Supreme Court, and then I clerked for two and a half years for a federal trial judge in Wichita. That judge that I worked for, he was one of the 
early believers in mediation. He called them settlement conferences, and he had the idea of having a group of attorneys, experienced attorneys in Wichita be his mediators, and he would send cases to mediation. That was when I saw firsthand how well it worked, and it was not common then. It was a very new concept. So I have seen that in my career go from a, a new idea, and it was starting around the country. It wasn't, you know, started in Kansas, but here and there, it wasn't all over the country, and it is now. And how have client expectations changed in that time? Is the expectation of immediate answers? We all have our smartphones. We have our emails on our smartphones. Clients have learned to expect that you're connected all the time. If they ask you a question at you know 8 p.m. at night, that you'll get right on it. That's different. You know, we used to send a letter, and then that letter would take a day or two to get to where it was going, and then you'd get a response a day or two later. Things have very much sped up and it's true not just in law but in everything and i love mediating i love practicing law being an arbitrator all of it is a lot of fun maybe i have a broad definition of fun but i i enjoy it all a lot and hopefully it sounds interesting to people who are listening I'm the Law is a Law Hub production. Don't forget to subscribe and rate this show in your favorite podcast app. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Blueprint LSAT Test Prep. Thank you also to our other sponsors, LSAT Lab, Seton Hall University School of Law, Vermont Law and Graduate School, and Baylor Law.